Thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Church podcast. We are a church that is committed to building better lives. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our weekly Sunday service. Oh, come on, Restoration Church. How are y'all doing tonight? Man, we got a we got a loud youth section tonight. I like that. Hey, you've just walked into an incredible night and an incredible service. We're so happy to have every single one of you. And we're putting a, a focus on the next generation, as Shannon said. And tonight you're gonna hear from four incredible speakers. And uh, they are all under the age of 18. And I just I just love what Paul wrote to Timothy in the Bible. He was writing him a letter, and Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, look, don't let others look down on you because you're young, but instead set an example for them. So Timothy was a, a young pastor in a city with an older generation above him that had been saved longer than him, serving the Lord longer than him. But Paul just told him, he said, none of that matters. You've got a call. You've got an anointing. You've got the Spirit of God active in your life. And so tonight, what I want you to do is just like you would normally do. I want you to open your phone to your notes section. I want you to get out your, your pad or your pen. And I want you to lean into what God would say to you tonight. Because just because the age of the, the delivery has changed, although I know I still look young, you know, don't let this gray in my beard fool you, all right? Uh, don't, let that, don't let that deter you from leaning in and saying, God, speak to me tonight. In fact, can we just do this? Before these four amazing speakers come to the stage, let's just, can you just put your hands out in front of you? And can we just pray this? Can we just say, Jesus, tonight I need you, and I need to hear from you. My ears are open. My heart is open. My mind is open. Let me receive all that you have to say to me tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I'm excited about our, our first speaker. This young man is uh, an absolute incredible powerhouse for God. Uh, he's so on fire for the Lord. He loves God so much. There's not many times that I see him that he doesn't have a Bible in his hand with him. And uh, he's always, he's a student of the Word. In fact, as he was studying and putting to his notes together, um, you know, some of the, the things that he began to talk about and even, you know, in like the way I study and as I was looking up this and I was looking at it in the Greek and in the Hebrew, I'm like, dang, okay, all right, come on, Mac, do your thing. So everybody, y'all help me welcome Mac. He's going to come and preach tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. All right, so guys, he already told me, or already told you guys, my name is Mac, and I'm super excited to be able to speak to you guys today. Um, so if you guys would, we're going to be in James chapter 4, um, and I'm going to be going over um, verses 6 to verses 8. So I'll give you guys a moment. Now, obviously, I got my notes on my phone because I'm Gen Z, so I guess that's kind of how we're doing that tonight. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and read um, verses 6 to 8. So it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
And so before we get into this, we're just going to pray real quick. If you guys want to hold out your hands, whatever you guys do to pray, that's what we're going to do real quick. So I'm going to say, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. And I pray that, Father, as we continue in this moment, God, that you will speak to me as I, and I deliver this message. And I pray that you will speak to all your children and open their ears to understand and to be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, so let's jump into the context of these verses. Um, and so James is actually a, if you look in James 1, he's a, he's a half-brother of Jesus, and that's mentioned in Mark 6, verse 3. Um, and the crazy thing about James, which I find absolutely nuts, is the fact that if we go to James 1, he introduces himself not as the half-brother of Jesus, but he introduces himself as a bondservant of Jesus, which is, which is crazy to me. Because like, if I were to sit there and like, do that to my sister, like, hey, I'm your bond, like, you know what I'm saying? That's crazy. And the way that he's able to deliver this saying that I'm not some crazy guy, I'm the brother of Jesus, but he doesn't introduce himself as that, he's so humble. So we know that as he speaks about, being, uh, about submitting to God and humbling himself um, to God, he practices that throughout his daily life. And we can clearly see that um, in, verses, or in uh, James chapter one, um, in which it leads me to my first point. If you're, t- if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down. My uh, point number one is pride will keep you from submitting to God. So did a little bit of research. Um, I didn't actually use the Urban Dictionary on this one, but I found it on this website, um, and it says, pride can be summed up like this, elevating one's opinions or thoughts above God's word. In other words, if I were to sit here and say my daily lives, or my daily life, I would be like, okay, well, instead of going to God's word, instead of going to his knowledge, I'm going to go into my knowledge, and I'm going to say, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I know what my life is going to um, take place, and that is uh, essentially elevating my, um, my thoughts and knowledge above God's, which is clearly pride. And we can see all throughout Scripture, God does not like pride because it keeps us from him, right? And we can, we can clearly see, I mean, look back at verse 6. He says, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so what, what that makes me think is if we're prideful, if we're not submitting ourselves to God's word, how do you, how do you think he's going to be able to give grace to us? We, don't, we, we feel like we don't need it anymore. We're so, we're so focused on what we do in our lives and what we, and what we can do in our uh, strengths and our um, control of our lives. And that's what it, it reminds me of the ancient proverb, Proverbs 16, verse 9. It says, a man's heart plans his ways. In other words, I can go out and do this and say I'm going to do that and go this way and go that way. But then it, pre, it goes on to say, but the Lord directs his steps. So for us as Christians, as us of children of God, it is not ourselves who direct ourselves. It's, not, our, it's our, not, our, not what we can do to direct our life, but God is the one who directs our lives. Um, and we can clearly see that. So we can say what we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to go there. And that also reminds me of uh, later in James, he talks about how we should not boast about tomorrow. For we do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and, and that's what's, what's, what's crazy. And so how do we, as Christians, because it, it goes on to say, how do we let, or how do we get away from that temptation to, to worry about ourselves, to, or to worry about ourselves, and to worry about what we can do? How do we get away from that? Well, it says in verse 8, it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Watch this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, that's, that's, a, that's, a little, that's a little crazy verse right there. That kind of makes me like, uh-oh, what do I do? But, and the, the crazy thing is, is that it's not that, like, hardcore. It's not that he hates you, but he wants you to get away from that pride so that he can help you. And we can clearly see that throughout all Scripture. 
And that leads me to my last point. The closer you draw to God, the closer you press toward God, the further away you move from the enemy. Because we can clearly see all throughout scripture, like this is, this is from, Gen- the devil is absolutely petrified of God. He ter- terrified. He's, he's, he's absolutely scared of what God has the power to do. For example, if you guys, um, have, if you guys know the story of when um, Jesus was with his disciples and they're along this path and this um, demon-possessed man comes up to Jesus and there's legions of angels in this man. Like he's, he's, he's possessed like crazy. Um, and so the crazy thing is, is these, these, these demons that are inside of this man are so scared of him that they literally say, don't cast us away. I don't, like, they're, they're so scared of him. And obviously, Jesus being Jesus, he's, he's a dog. So he, he's like, all right, get out of here. Away with you. You know what I'm saying? So he's, he's th- those are already gone. Um, and so we can clearly see they are, they are insanely scared of God. But the crazy thing is, is that even in that, we don't have to be afraid of God in the sense that we don't want to go to him, but we fear him so much that, Lord, I love you. And so he literally says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Don't go on your own way. And I know for me, I have really bad anxiety, and I, that's um, a story for a different time. But so for me, having anxiety and, and, and doing these things, when I lean on my own understanding of things, when I go on in my way and when I try to go this way and that way and make it to be where it's on me, how much stress does that put on me? It's, it's terrifying. It's scary. It, it makes me upset. I'm, I'm like, I don't, what do I do? Because I can't do anything. I'm limited. I have nothing. And so he literally just says, he, he says, come to me. Like, I'm, I'm here. Walk up to me. I'm right here. And so when we draw near to him, that's, that's the best thing we can do because then we put everything in his hands. And we know, I mean, he's the God of creation. Like, he, know, he knows what he's doing. So um, when, when, when we do that, I mean, he's, he's already there. So one of the biggest things I can challenge you guys to do today is just submit to his ways, submit to his plan, to submit to his word. What does that look like? I, I mean, I was thinking about the other day, um, I was <clears throat> at school and I was reading some um, verses about how to live in the spirit and I was so confused. But literally, all he says, what do you need to do? Keep your word, do not let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Because we have, when we're, when, we're so, when we're children of God, we have nothing else to do but meditate. We're so like, we're so filled with the spirit. That all we want to do is speak God's word. All we want to do is speak what he can do to us. And that's, that's, that's literally all we have to do. And I know sometimes humbling ourselves before God is like, why would I do that? Like, what, what's the point? I want to think about myself. I, like, I feel like I'm somebody. I want to be like this man. I want, I want people to. And, and literally, like, it reminds me of uh, a really good quote by C.S. Lewis. He once wrote, uh, humi- or humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So with that being said, it's not like a, oh, okay. So when, I, when, I, when God says, humble yourself under the mighty power of God, okay. So it's like, no, 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 I don't like myself. You're ugly, you're an idiot, you're stupid. Like, that's not what he said. He's not saying that at all. He says, literally, think of yourself less, not think, not think of and condemn yourself and make it to where you're not, you, don't, you don't mean anything. That's not what he says. And we can clearly see that Jesus, Jesus does the same thing. It's in Philippians 2.8. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so that's my whole message for you guys today is just follow after Jesus. He already did all the work. The battle's already won. He, he already finished it. And so um, that's, that's uh, one of the last verses I'll mention there. But 
I do challenge you guys today to just submit to God. I know it's difficult. I know you want to do things your own way, and I want to do things my own way, but it's not worth it because we, we, don't, have, we don't have anything. We have no knowledge. I mean, in 2 Peter 3, it talks about how we, we as humans, are, our minds are just so limited. We don't have anything. And so for the Lord, one day is a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years for the Lord is one day. So to think of it like that, just submit to him. He's already got the future. And that's, 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 um, and I'm going to end with that, but yes, sir. All right. Thank you guys. Come on. Y'all give it up for Matt. Come on. Wasn't that incredible? We might just maybe have a future preacher on our hands. Forget future. Hold on. Wait. We got a preacher on our hands. Awesome job. Hey, next up. We've got uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline's no stranger to the stage. She is, I'll let you tell you what she is. She's Miss Somebody, uh, Miss Beauty Pageant Somebody. But she can, a former, she just recrowned uh, the new one. But y'all gonna give it up for Jacqueline. She's going to bring the word tonight. Come on, Jacqueline. Hey, y'all. Well, my name is Jacqueline, and I'm a junior at Centennial High School. I have been going to restoration for a little under a year now. And it has changed every relationship in my life, including the one with God. Um, I have always prayed about having community and having those kingdom friends. And here he has brought me all of that and so much more. You're probably wondering what the heck is kingdom friends. And it's a term that I've used ever since I was little. Um, and it describes people who strengthen his kingdom. Those are the people that I want in my life who will strengthen his kingdom, who will push me to strengthen his kingdom and everybody around me. Um, it kind of started more in like middle school. I was called or known as the Jesus freak, still am. Not a bad thing, but I got bullied pretty severely because of that. And it was by people who were in my inner circle. And they're like, oh, let's exclude her because she's a Jesus freak. And I knew that was going to happen as a follower of God. I know that it was, and but as a teen and a tween, that's hard. That is hard. And I know there's so many kids in here around that age, and never be afraid of who God has called you to be. And with saying that, that brought me, like, my self-esteem kind of low, but I still was praising God through it all. But um, over this, like, past year, I have grown so much, and there has been a huge mindset change with that. It changed from... God, why is this happening in my life to God? What are you trying to teach me? And what am I trying to learn through this season you're putting me through? It shifted from, God, why has this door closed to saying, thank you, Jesus, for this closed door. And thank you for the ones that you are going to close and the ones that you are going to open in my life. That mind shift, um, that mind shift caused me to bring a peace like no other and truly put my trust in God. Um, that mind ch mindset changed everything I do, and I like to say that I am a workout girly. Um, I thought so Friday, and now I can barely walk, but it's okay. Um, with saying that, my gym routine even changed. It changed from listening to worldly music or secular music to get that, like, hype and to get me through and motivate me through my workouts to listening to worship music and praising the Lord through my worship, like, praising the Lord through that workout and getting me through it. Um, because Lord knows some of those workouts take everything out of you, just saying. Um, I feel sometimes like as a teen, 
um, I can compare, like, his, like, realness and his, like, everything that he's done in my life to his intentionality. Like, oh, hey, God, if you're real, show me your realness by everything working out in my life or me getting that position in that job or me getting that um, spot on that team. But that's not really what he's about. His intentions don't, don't do that. And a lot of times it's not what we think because he has something so much more planned for our life. And, um, and sometimes his realness is for one of those doors to close that you think will never close for that one to open. For you can, so you can step into that open door and see what everything he has already proven to you and everything you've prayed for to come into flourishing. Um, I know for me, if that door would have never closed, I would not be standing here today saying that I have the national title of being your America's Most Beautiful Junior Miss. And with that, going into these classrooms and events and reaching people in my community and being able to talk about Jesus any chance I get in these classrooms, um, going back to nationals in July, I remember every area of competition I would go alone from the other contestants and I would sit myself by myself and just pray like God just get me through this God let your light show through me to these judges and just get me through this make sure I don't fall on my face because you know in heels anything is possible (laughs) and okay um I remember calling Miss Ginger and Layla being like hey, can you pray over me real quick because I'm feeling really crazy. And just like they did right before in state, right before finals night. And I remember Miss Ginger sang me her favorite song and got me through. And it just helped me get out of like that panic of competition. And right before actually going down to the area where I'm competing, I remember my director sat me down in the makeup chair and she put on worship music and laid her hands on me and was prayed over me and calmed my nerves saying that God has you where you are for a reason, whether it's to win that crown or to just meet people and show God's love through everybody you meet. And she was like, I'm so proud of you because you've done exactly that. You are doing everything you have been called to do right here in this hotel. And, um, but I feel like, you know, all these good things come from God, but it's also like his realness comes out more when, um, you're in those valleys or you're in those trenches when he shows you how faithful and how great he is with those trials and tribulations. It shows his intention for your life. I think it's so amazing that we serve a God who leaves the 99 to get the one. This verse is definitely one of my favorites because it demonstrates that we are his daughters and sons whom he loves. And that, in that verse, it shows his act to, like, how much he loves us. And it shows that he left all those 99 sheep just to get that one sheep because we need to be steward or we're going to go crazy. Um, we also, we serve a God who will open all these doors, but he is also there when... He closes one. Um, He is a God who is real and has intention for each and one of our lives. Um, I have learned no matter what's going on in my life, God is working all things for my good. No matter whether it's bad or it's good, he's working for me. And he is a God who fulfills his promises, and he is going to come through for you. He is a God who is far 
he is a God who is for and fighting with me through it all. There is a purpose for that pain you are going through and a purpose to prosper you through it. I think something that can change the way we think in our midst of our battles and our trenches is that God has already declared victory. He has already, at the end of the day, he has already won. And so you don't need to put your worry in that. You need to put your worry in God. And um, so be confident in who God has made you to serve and how he's made you to serve. He sees that heartache, and he will give it meaning. He sees your pain, and he will turn it into purpose. And he sees your weight, and he will give it reason. He sees your future, and he will give it promise. And through it all, you have to just say, thank you, Jesus. I trust your plan. Thank you. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Give it up for Jacqueline. Awesome job. You did so great. Man, I love that perspective. The thing that she said that hit me the most was, talking about God's not going to give you exactly what you want because a lot of times we think we know best but what he really wants is back to even what Max said is us just to surrender our lives in humility to God and say God I trust you and you know what's best for me come on incredible job next up we got Reese y'all welcome Reese as she comes she's going to bring this message hey y'all all right, um, he already said this, but not, my name is Reese. Um, Pastor Craig and Shannon are my parents. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> tonight I'm going to talk about my walk with Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you can call this message joy um, because honestly, that's what Jesus has brought me um, in my life. So before I start, I want to read ne- ne- Nehemiah. Nehemiah? Nehemiah 8.10, or, yeah, 8.10. I got to hold it up because I don't have good sight, eyesight. Okay, Um, (laughs) Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so after beach camp, we did a testimony service where I also talked a little bit about this. Um, And I know everyone who went to beach camp can agree with me that it was truly a touch of heaven. And, like, I felt God's presence like never before. Um, And leaving camp, I felt so much joy, and I finally felt like myself again. So throughout my life and my walk with Jesus and um, what beach camp showed me um, is that true joy can only come from a life with Jesus. And when I'm close with God and I'm being intentional with my relationship with him, I've realized that that's when I'm my best self, and that's when I'm my happiest, um, best version And I can always tell when I've strayed from him because I'm short with those around me. Um, I don't have a lot of energy. I overthink. Like, everything's just more stressful. Um, I tend to distance myself. I could go on and on. Um, Moral of the story, life without Jesus sucks. But... Um, but it it makes so much sense that I would feel this way because, um, when I stray from him, I'm not relying on my rock, my salvation and my strength. I'm relying on my own strength, um, and trying to find fulfillment in things of the world, knowing that the world can't fulfill me. Um, And Jesus is the source of all joy. He's the source of all happiness. So if you're looking for joy or you're looking for happiness, um, it's found in him. So go to the source. Now, if you're taking notes, I want y'all to write down um, happiness versus joy. 
Um, and I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was researching the definition of joy and happiness and trying to figure out what the actual difference is and like the definition because they seem so similar. Um, but this is what Google says the difference is. It says that happiness may dwell on <laughs> materialistic worldly pleasure while joy is derived from soul-satisfying emotional well-being, which b- brings me to my first point. Um, joy isn't based on happenings and what I mean by this is um, happiness is based on happenings the things that happen to us but in life we can't control what happens to us because trust me if we could control what happened to us we'd be in our own building right now and I would never have to go to school again can I get an amen (laughs) all right Um, so we don't have control, but joy isn't based on happen, what happens to you. It's based on what's in you, and that's Jesus. Um, joy is often found in our valleys where we can't control what's happening, but we can choose to make the decision um, that we can discover the joy of the Lord. So joy is a choice. Um, the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul, um, and it's known as the happiest book in the Bible. Um, but majority of this book was written while Paul was in jail. And so I don't think happy when I think jail, but Paul made the choice to have joy even when he was in this really dark and lonely place. Um, he was in jail getting ready to be executed, which means like, killed um but just to clarify um but he was busy writing the happiest book in the bible and i don't know about y'all but i want joy and i want faith like the apostle paul right and so while the apostle paul he was like in these chains and in prisons and all um and he was getting ready to be killed he wrote this he said that he has chosen Joy, And while I was writing my notes, I put chosen in all capital letters because he called this the joy of faith in Philippians 125 and in Philippians 3.1, the joy in the Lord. He believed that joy was a gift from God um, and that it was a sign that Jesus is with you in the midst of all of your troubles. And we believe, when we believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the hard times. And this doesn't mean that we have to bottle up our feelings and show no emotion, um, because even Apostle Paul wrote of sadness um, in 2 Corinthians, but in 2 Corinthians 6.10, he called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing, right? He acknowledged his pain, but chose to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. And you see, joy is um, a focus before it's a feeling. In Hebrew, the word for joy is, I think it's pronounced chara. It's like C-H-A-R-A. But the definition is more than just a happy feeling. It's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. And the Apostle Paul was in in jail. He was chained up, getting ready to be killed. But he maintained a powerful posture, a posture of prayer, and he chose to pray with joy. 
So if you want to have um, joy in your life, then you're going to have to pray with joy. And how to pray with joy is a whole nother sermon, but I only have five minutes up here, so pray with joy. Um, But (laughs) have joy no matter your situation. Joy in the good times and in the bad times, which brings me to my second point. Um, Choose to have joy no matter your situation. We're all struggling with something. None of us are in jail, thank God, or getting ready to be killed. Um, But if Paul can choose to have joy while he's going through that terrible situation, then we can choose to have joy in our situation. Joy over depression, over anxiety, over suicidal thoughts, um, joy in whatever you're going through. Hebrew chapter 12, verse 2 says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To endure the cross, he didn't find joy in the event, like he didn't find joy in being nailed in like his arms, um, but he found joy in the guaranteed outcome of the event. And another thing I love about this verse is it says that the joy set before him. Not the joy around him, not the joy of others, but the joy set before him. Because if we're going to spend our life like this, focusing on what everyone around us is doing, then we're not going to be able to have joy. Because comparison um, kills joy. And that's my third point. Comparison kills joy. So a lot of us would live a much joyful life if we didn't spend our time comparing our lives to those around us. Because a lot of us, what we do is we'll get on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, um, and we'll be like, oh, dang, I wish my body looked like that. I wish I had those clothes. Mexico, that's nice. Wish I could be there. But comparison is destroying the joy of God or the joy that God has given you and the joy of your salvation. We pray, God, give me more joy, but joy is a decision, a decision, um, and it's a choice of, it's like a mindset, like what we have to focus on, Um, because joy is a point of view. You have to make the decision to view life with a joyful focus, and Christian joy is a decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus's life and love, so this week and throughout y'all's life, my flashlight's on. Um, um, so this week I challenge y'all to make the decision to have joy. Thanks. Come on, man. I love, I love how all of these are, are just fitting together and I feel like there's, there's one common theme and I'm, I'm going to wait here until the end, but I keep hearing this one common theme that's going throughout. And I feel like God is really trying to speak to somebody tonight. And um, this, this last one, uh, lean in and say, God, speak to me. Have an open heart. And we're going to come back. We're going to worship for a moment. And we're going to seal this moment uh, in these words. We're going to take something home with us. But help me welcome uh, my son, Carson. What's up, everybody? What is up? All right, uh, so I'm going to get my notes ready. But while uh, I'm doing that, y'all look at somebody and say, these kids been preaching. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you better begin some from this because you need it. I'm just messing with you. All right, so I, uh, I, wrote, this <clears throat> I wrote this in the back um, just a little bit ago before I got up here because I felt like I should do this. 
Um, so first of all, I just want to just praise you guys and give you guys some, some glory because what y'all have been saying today was awesome. So everybody, let's just give a round of applause for our three speakers tonight because y'all killed it. Like to get up here and, and do this and it's awesome. And then um, I need to give honor to the people who started this all, and that is my parents, Pastor Craig and uh, my mom, um, who are also, I said my mom, Pastor Mom. Um, so that, that pretty much tells you how our relationship is, is uh, she's my mom and pastor, and, and everything we do. And then I would also just like to honor our youth pastors and our staff, um, Pastor Aaron and Jordan and Matt. Um, we just, we, we, we really appreciate you guys, and um, y'all do a lot for this church, and none of this is possible without you, and um, so I, uh, I'm done with this now, but um, my sermon, if you're taking notes tonight, is called Hold On a Little Longer, and I know I've got five minutes, but I am my father's son, so <laughs> take that into consideration. Um, so anyways, just I'm going to say this prayer that my dad always says, so bow your heads, close your eyes with me, and uh, just repeat after me. God, open my ears, open my heart, open my mind to receive of your word. Change me, challenge me, and in Jesus' name everybody says, amen, amen, amen. So I don't know if we have, all right, we don't. <clears throat> so... That takes, all right, well, um, so uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Genesis 32, 24, 31, um, which says, if you're, if you're reading with me, he took them, this is, okay, this is 23, my fault, because I actually found something else earlier. Um, he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had, and um, this is just a side point that I wrote down earlier, and it's, uh, I said that he got rid of all his distractions. Now, him is uh, Jacob at this point, so Jacob was going over to this river, and he got rid of all his distractions, um, and this uh, was everything that he owned, and um, so for you tonight, I'm not saying that your distraction is your wife or your husband, but maybe you should put them aside tonight so you can hear something. Um <laughs> So, Genesis 32, that was 33. Um, then Jacob was left alone, and, man, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he, had did what, that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you Bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he's like, He's like, I don't know. And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrunk, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. So um, as I was reading this, I got to thinking a little bit about um, wrestling, 
And one of the guys that um, my dad taught me to grow up watching was Hulk Hogan. Um, if anybody knows who that is, he has a really sick handlebar mustache. Um, great 80s wrestler. Um, and I just actually found out a couple years ago that WWE was fake. That, that like ruined my reality, ruined life. Some of y'all are probably finding out right now that WWE is fake too. And I'm sorry to let you know, but this has not been new news in, in a while. But um, it led me to my first question tonight. Um, what are you wrestling with? Um, Jacob, obviously wrestling with God, but maybe you are wrestling with um, something that's going on in your home. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's something at school. Um, maybe it's money. Maybe it is drugs. Maybe it's an addiction. Whatever it may be, there might be something in your life that you are wrestling with. And so the first thing that I want to tell you today is that we have to be ready to fight for what we want because it is a spiritual fight. When this man showed up to Jacob, Jacob immediately took action like that. Jacob went all the, already, he was like, all right, bro. He's like, he's like, I mean, you stepped up on my land. So he's like, you came up on my block. You can't do that. So he, he went right away and he went to fight him. And so what I want to tell you today is you have to be ready to fight. It says that Jacob was left alone and a man was wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And then I want to go to Genesis 28, 16 real quick, which says to get to my next point, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. My next point is be aware of when God has entered your presence. Be ready for God for when God enters the place that you are in. Because Jacob could have got his blessing sooner had he realized that God was in the place where he was. If Jacob had woken up and realized that God had been where he was sleeping, Jacob wouldn't have gone, had to go through the wrestling. Jacob wouldn't have had to go through the fight. He would have been able to get his blessing then. So be aware because his blessing can come sooner. And then the next thing that I want to point out um, is verse, it says, verse 28, and he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men. And so the next thing I want to tell you tonight um, is that when you encounter God, and when God blesses you, he changes your identity. When you get your blessing, God changes who you are. The person you were 30 minutes ago before your blessing is not the person you are now. If I am, if I am struggling with depression and anxiety, I don't have no worth. I don't have no future. I should just kill myself. My kids don't like me. They have no respect for me. And then I get my blessing. Now it's, I'm a child of God. I am saved. 
There's grace on my life. I do have a future. I'm not anything that I was. In fact, I'm greater than that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't have to live my life the way that I did because I'm made new because God has blessed me in this place. You are an image of God. My next point for you is a blessing will come from a direct encounter with God. See, if Jacob had never taken the time to separate himself from what he was doing to get into the presence of God, he would have never had his blessing. Israel would never have been a thing. Jacob would have been a thing. Your problem is not going to be your solution. Your issue is not going to be your blessing. Your sin is not going to be what stops you from having salvation. It's not going to be what stops you from having grace. A blessing will come from a direct encounter with God. And my, my last two points I want to um, bring to you today um, as we look at verse 31, just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. So bro was doing a little one of these right there. He hit that. And um, he was going over the river. And um, as I was reading this, you know, I try to dissect every verse the way I think God may have um, intended me for because um, everything in the Bible is... Um, happens for a reason, and there's something that you can pick out of, out of every verse. And so what God told me in this verse is you might come out limping, but you're going to come out with the victory. You might come out limping, but you're going to come out with the blessing. I don't think this I heard it. Maybe this I will. You might come out limping, but you're going to be blessed with it. You might come out limping, but you're going to have victory over your problem. You might come out limping, but you're going to be saved. Those taxes that you were dealing with are done. That, that, that problem that you were dealing with is done. That sin that you were dealing with is done. That addiction that you were dealing with is over because you have been changed by God. The storm that I was going through didn't stop me from the destination that I was getting to, from the paradise that I was getting to. Though I may have stumbled, it was still a step forward. Though I may have fallen, God picked me up and said, come on, you're still a child of God. I still have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future because that's the kind of God I am. I'm not the God that's going to tell you that you aren't enough. I'm the God that's going to make you enough because my grace is enough. And as I get to my last point, don't let go until you get your breakthrough. Verse 26 says, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, Israel said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what kind of issues you walked in with. I don't know what kind of family problems that you walked in. I don't know what kind of financial problems that you walked in. I don't know what kind of addictions or sins or mistakes that you're dealing with. 
But what I know is there is a God who can change everything in a moment. And the way you walked in tonight does not have to be the way you walk out tonight. Don't let go until you get your breakthrough. There needs to be some people in here tonight that are so tired of the problem, so tired of the situation, so tired of the frustration, so tired of the pain that we say, God, I'm not leaving until you take this sickness. God, I'm not leaving until you give Restoration Church a building. God, I'm not leaving until you take away the pain. God, I'm not leaving until you free me of my addiction. God, I'm not leaving until you take these chains off of me, God, that are holding me back from my breakthrough, God. I'm not leaving until you give me my blessing, God, because I'm holding on tonight. I'm tired of letting go. I'm tired of letting go right when my breakthrough is coming. Your breakthrough starts tonight. Your blessing comes tonight. Whatever you are looking for starts tonight. Hold on when it's hard. Hold on when you're tired. Hold on when, you fi- when it feels like you can't no more. Hold on for the breakthrough. Hold on when you can't see it because God is in the background working all things for your good. We need some people in night tonight. We need some parents tonight who'll say it for their children. We need some youth tonight who'll say it for the next generation. God, I'm not giving up until you bless me so that I can bless others. God, I'm not giving up until you bless me because I'm tired of living this way. Because I'm tired of having to deal with the same things every day. I'm not giving up until my faith changes me. Until I see depression leave. Until I see anxiety leave. Until I see insecurity leave. Until I see the arguments leave out of my life. Until I see divorce out of the picture. Whatever it is in your life, Jesus is going to bless you. Jesus is going to give you your breakthrough. That's all I have for y'all tonight. Thank you so much. Amen. Why don't we stand on our feet tonight? And the one thing that I kept hearing just over and over was a valley season I kept hearing each young person, a valley season. You may be in the middle of something, but God's still good of it, good in the middle of it. You can have joy right in the middle of the struggle. We don't come to church so God can wave a magic wand and we walk outside of the four walls of the church and everything is okay and everything is good. That's not the reason that we have God. No, we have God because he is our strength right in the middle of everything that that we walk through, that as we walk through it, we walk through it with joy, and the world sees the joy on our face. That as we submit to God and we draw close to him, that we find peace right there in the middle of it. 
rather than struggling and trying to make it happen and make it work out on our own or manipulate God with this or try to manipulate. No, it's just standing in our place and going, God, I am submitted to you. I'm going to draw close to you. I love that. He said, when you draw closer to God, you're moving further away from the enemy. And every time I draw closer to God, I'm moving further and further from the enemy. And maybe some of you tonight in the middle of your situation, in the middle of what you're going through, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the struggle, you need to draw closer to God. And like Jacqueline, like you preached, you were there just to shine for Jesus. You didn't say, God, take me out of the circumstance. You said, God, let me shine in the circumstance. That's exactly what God wants us to do. Come to church, get so full of his presence that when we walk out in the world, we shine brightly for Jesus. And then we hold on to God, Carson. We hold on to God in the hard times and we go, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you deliver me, heal me, touch me, forgive me. It reminded me of this story of a man, you know, there's a 400 years of silence from the book of Malachi until the book of Matthew. They bump right up next to each other in the Bible, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. You turn one page, but there's 400 years. And there was this rabbi that lived in these 400 years, and there had been a, a major drought. And he went out in the middle of the desert, And he drew a circle in the dirt, and he stood and knelt in the middle of that circle, and he said these words to God, God, I'm not moving until you let it rain. God, I'm not leaving this circle, even if it costs me my life. He said, I am that desperate. Our people are that desperate for rain. His name was Honey. And he stayed in that circle, and he cried out to God, and he prayed out to God. And the history books that record this say that it began to rain so hard that the the drops of rain were almost destructive, that the people came from the town, and they said, you've got to pray for less rain, man. Your prayers are really working. We need the prayers to be a little less, and he did, and the rain lightened up, and they got the rain that they needed. But I wonder how many of us would come to a place of desperation to where we would hit our knees and we'd say, God, I'm not getting up until you bless us. I'm not leaving my prayer closet until you bless me. I'm not going to stop fasting until I, whatever it is, there's a desperation and a passion. Come on, can you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? I just wonder if you're, you're in here tonight and you say, God has spoken to me. I've heard his voice, and he has spoken to me tonight. Just every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, if that's you, would you just lift your hand with me? Come on, lift those hands high. Hey, God has spoken to me. Hey, preachers, open your eyes real quick. Look at these hands. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you, God that you have the way to speak to each of us individually. And no matter where we find ourselves tonight, may we be strengthened, may we be healed, may we be encouraged, may we be restored, may we be lifted up 
In Jesus' name. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Restoration Church. Or if you haven't already, you can download our Restoration Church app. There you will find more about who we are as a church and how to get connected.